Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. Well, it's always game day in Cleveland. A little behind-the-scenes look of everything that's going on with your Cleveland Browns, pro football, and things that are going on around town. My name is Andy Baskin. My partner each and every week is Daryl Ryder. He is the Browns beat reporter for 92.3 The Fan. And again, it's always game day in Cleveland. If you've listened to the last couple podcasts, you like it, knock yourself out and subscribe because we love having you on board and we love the feedback we've been getting so far. Today we're going to talk about a number of things, but Daryl, I want to start off with with kind of a – topic that I think a lot of Browns fans want to know, especially coming off the draft. Why would you pick guys in the draft that you already are heavy with as far as um, the depth chart is concerned? And, you know, one of the things that I noticed right out of the gate, especially with with pretty much all the news coming out that this Jarvis Landry coming back to the Browns thing is not going to happen, is because they brought in David Bell in the third round. So uh, let's start there and talk about why this team uh, would would draft guys in positions that are already filled, especially in the defensive backfield. Well, Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski like to talk about competition and creating competition, but the the reality behind the philosophy is number one depth to enter uh, to insulate themselves from injury. Let, let's use the running back situation last year as an example, right? They lost Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt both at the same time. Now, Ernest Johnson did a great job stepping in. All three of those players that I mentioned, they average over five yards per carry for their career. But the other part of this, too, is to provide Andrew Barry with some options when you talk about the final 53, or as I like to actually call it, the initial 53-man roster construction the end of training camp. 
because maybe he can keep a draft pick who is now on a very friendly team-oriented, from a salary standpoint, very friendly rookie contract over a veteran who is a little more expensive. So you can save some cash as well as additional cap space, which let's be honest about it, Andy, as they go forward now, at some point, the bill's going to come due as far as the salary cap is concerned. Right now, as we have this discussion, believe it or not, in spite of all the money the Browns have spent this offseason, especially with bringing in uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, trading for Amari Cooper, and then, of course, uh, opening the checkbook to retain Denzel Ward, they are still number two behind the Carolina Panthers in available salary cap space. So that's why he's creating roster flexibility depth and also the ability for him to maybe move on from a more expensive veteran in in uh, in lieu of a rookie here uh, when they start to put this 53 together at the end of training camp. Daryl, when I look at that number and I see that the Browns are number two in, in salary cap flexibility, at first I think as a fan you want to look and go, oh, well, go out and sign a free agent. Go do that. I just don't. I, in the past, you get your heart broken if you start looking at that and going, oh, well, if this guy's still out there, why don't we go get him? One, if this guy's still out there, uh, it's probably not worth the money you're going to spend or if you're going to you know, spend a minimal amount of money on him. I think that's that's one of the theories there. So when you're a Browns fan, when you look at that number, I'm, I'm real hesitant knowing, okay, they're number two in flexibility, but I don't know that they're going to spend it. Right. Well, and here's the other thing you have to under, that fans have to understand, and they forget this a lot of times, because um, I see this all the time, and I hear it all the time from Browns fans when we talk about how the Browns roll their salary cap space for here. Oh, Jimmy Haslam and the Haslams—they're so cheap. They don't want to sign players and bring. No, that quite the contrary. Believe it or not, uh, the Cleveland Browns. Spent a ton of money last year not to make the playoffs. In fact, they spent right. the most money of any NFL team last year, and they didn't make the playoffs. No, the Haslam spend a lot of cash on this team, and fans have to understand cap space or or the salary cap, I should say, and the actual payroll completely two different books. Not the Washington Commanders Daniel Snyder type of two different books allegedly, but the two different <laughs> books, <laughs> salary cap accounting, and then, of course, the actual payroll cash moving out the door. And I, so fans kind of have to understand that. And again, that's why they were able to spend just between Denzel Ward, uh, Amari Cooper, and Deshaun Watson. That's over $300 million in guaranteed cash that wow. the Haslams have committed to this football team in three players. Think about that for a second. It's a lot of money. Let that yeah, marinate. I, yeah, I, cheap, is, cheap is not a word I would ever use with the Haslams. No, Dan Gilbert, absolutely I would not. never use that. Like Those guys are not not in that world. And, it's, and I, I again, when we talk about the Guardians, because I, I know we all get into the three of them and everybody wants to compare, I still want to see what the end of the season is going to look like for the Guardians as far as spending money because – I just I believe there'll be there'll be some new money uh, put into the franchise. All right, all right, let's go back to the scales of justice on you know what Andrew Barry does as far as drafting and and going back to our initial question. So you know the, all the talk and I, neither one of us is is floored when we see a story 
uh, about Jarvis Landry not coming back to the Browns or Jarvis right. Landry, that ship has sailed. And all you have to do is watch 30 seconds of David Bell playing at Purdue, and you can see that they've, they've hired his replacement or they've drafted his replacement. At least that's the way I see it. I know that you bring in Michael Woods too, but to me, Bell seems to be the replacement. Is that the way you see it, and is it no surprise that Jarvis Landry is not, not the name that we're going to see in the future for this team? 100% not a surprise that the Browns are closing that chapter, if you will, of the, of the book on Jarvis Landry. It's a business decision. Landry was scheduled to make over $14 million in cash uh, this coming year before they released him. His salary cap number was over $16 million. Andrew Berry just looked at that, and it just it, it, it didn't fit. They tried to restructure him. Uh, they did talk about potentially bringing him back, but they just the values didn't really match up. What the Browns were willing to pay, what Jarvis Landry was looking for, never really aligned. They, I don't think that they were ever in the same ballpark there. So not a surprise that they move on from Jarvis Landry. It does stink a little bit because Jarvis was so instrumental coming up from Miami. Remember that hard knock speech he gave uh, in 2018 when he was getting on guys for dogging it in practice and using injuries as a way to get out of practice and things like, which is something that just kind of happened in Cleveland. Players used to come to the Browns and collect paychecks. Uh, That that was basically the reputation the Browns had. It's a great spot to collect a paycheck, especially toward the end of your career. But you aren't going to win a whole heck of a lot. And and Jarvis Landry really was instrumental behind the scenes in changing the mindset and the attitude of some of the guys uh, that were here and just the team in general. So uh, my hat's off to Jarvis. Uh, it's unfortunate that the business of football kind of sneaks in here, and it's why he's no longer a Cleveland Brown. But he really was instrumental behind the scenes in helping kind of get this thing turned around, even amid all the chaos that still ensued uh, with the, the merry-go-round of head coaches uh, and, and whatnot. But he, he did a nice job here. Uh, he can hold his head high, gave, a, gave everything he had, tried to play through that knee injury last year, Andy. And it goes back to, again, the conversation about guys playing hurt or guys playing injured. How, how good of an idea ultimately is that? Um, his production suffered because of it last year as well, which I'm sure doesn't help him in free agency. But just one of the more reliable guys, when you just want to talk about on the field, when you throw Jarvis Landry the football, if he doesn't catch it, it's breaking news. Like, that's how good of a receiver and reliable of a receiver Jarvis Landry is and was. The fact that you throw him the ball, you know he's going to catch it. He's going to get yards after the catch. Uh, is he the big highlight type of a, a player? No, but he's very, very uh, reliable. So it's tough to see Jarvis go, but that's just the business of football. And again, to your point, when you look at what Andrew Berry did in the draft, Michael Woods second uh, in, in round seven, uh, go ahead and, and drafting David Bell as well. It, it, clear, clear as day uh, that they were m- moving on from Jarvis Landry, even though I had been saying the day that Jarvis got cut and let go that they had moved on from Jarvis Landry. No one really wanted to believe me, but yeah, it it looks that way. He's not going to be a Cleveland Brown anymore. He's going to have to go elsewhere, but again, want to make sure we give him his, 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 his love, if you will, because he was just so good in the four years that he was here. Yeah. I think fans got their hopes up because Deshaun Watson had come 
into right. the picture that maybe because of, you know, everything that kind of was the feeling about Odell and Baker Mayfield there. We, we, we said in a pre-show meeting that we weren't going to talk a lot about him today. So I said it once. I think I've got a limit of three. That's a fine. Throughout our three segments. So I've you. I, I've used one. No, if I go over three, then I'm fine, Daryl. Oh, no, 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 no. You you get fined for each match. Meredith said. Okay, well, no, you can have at least three, especially (laughs) while he's still on the roster. So you you still have three. I have two left. Um, You know, when we talk about bringing in some of these guys that have been drafted, you know, a lot of talk about Jerome Ford coming up from Cincinnati and what that does to the running back situation. Um, Does that mean Nick Chubb's going anywhere? Man, I hope not. Does that mean Kareem Hunt's going somewhere? possibility Dearness Johnson also could be on the trade block too but I don't see a reason why we can't live with five running backs especially if a guy like Demetric Felton and Jerome Ford can uh, contribute on special teams and maybe we don't need 32 tight ends on this team well remember for uh, Felton's that Swiss Army knife he can work with the receivers as well so if they need some help from a depth perspective at that position, he can slide over there. I think Demetric Felton absolutely is going to make the team. Jerome Ford is going to make the team, which means one of the three probably needs to go because I, I don't think they can keep five running backs. I think they can keep four, and that means it's going to be Kareem Hunt or Dernis Johnson. Uh, Nick Chubb isn't going anywhere. No one has to worry about that. Uh, Kareem, I think there's a potential. He could go just because he's the player that bring would get you the most in return as far as like a draft pick goes. Uh, and then to Ernest Johnson, I, I, he's still, he's still uh, you know, relatively young. Um, and I, I think that they would lean, if they had to choose between Kareem and to Ernest, I think they would lean toward to Ernest also because I think he's a little cheaper than uh, Kareem Hunt is as well. I just, I think they're going to keep one fewer tight end, so that allows them the the balance of keeping an extra running back. But, you know, last year kind of showed them just how fragile uh, your roster can be. You think that you're deep enough, and they just, they were decimated in the offensive line, running backs, just about everywhere on both sides of the ball. But those two really, really stood out between COVID and injuries last year that really hampered the team. So, uh, I don't think they can keep all five running backs. I think what, uh, again, to what I was talking about earlier, Andy, I think what Andrew Barry has done as he set himself up for basically training camp auditions for that fourth running back spot, and then the fifth guy they go ahead and move and get another asset for. All right, what would the value of Kareem Hunt be? We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about what else needs to be done to this roster uh, between now and the first game of the season because there, you know, there are question marks and there are places of depth uh, that are still in question. You know, there's starters they can still put in the lineup too. So we're going to talk about that. It's always game day in Cleveland. If you like what you're listening to, remember to subscribe to the It's Always Game Day Cleveland feed. And remember, just to subscribe wherever you listen to any of your podcasts. You're listening to It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, 
it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's always game day in Cleveland. He is Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Thanks for being along with us, along with producer Meredith Kane. We'll be uh, talking a little bit to her down the road as the show progresses. But right now I want to get back into what we're doing with the Browns roster and how this thing is going to develop. And, and when we were just talking about Kareem Hunt, with the lack of first-round picks coming up in the future, because this team doesn't have a first-round pick till 2025, thanks to the Deshaun Watson trade, um, I'm wondering what Kareem Hunt's value is, and I'm wondering if the value, the contract, and all those other things that go around with having a quality running back. And you said it last segment, Daryl, that uh, you know Nick got hurt last year, Kareem got hurt. They kind of juggled against both of each other. There are a lot of fans that want to see both those guys on the field together. There's a lot of folks that would like to see Kareem Hunt catch the ball a little bit more coming out of the backfield. What would Kareem Hunt's value be on the open market should the Browns try to trade him? Are you looking for a player or are you looking for a draft pick? Well, they're probably going to look for a draft pick, but um, if I'm Andrew Barry, I'm greedy in thinking that I'd want a two. At worst, I'd want a three, but my target will be a second-round pick for him. Uh, you're not going to get a one. Uh, that just isn't going to happen. I just I, when I think about the situation objectively, can I give you two words? Yeah. Can I ahead. give you two words? Trent Richardson. That's my hope. Trent. Yeah. Call Richardson. the Colts. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just. But I, I. He's a starting running back in the National Football League. That's the luxury that the Browns have with the Chubb Hunt combo one-two punch is you basically have two starting running backs on your roster. And he's scheduled to make around six and a quarter in actual cash uh, this year. Um, and, but it, Which isn't really a, a whole lot of money uh, in the grand scheme of, of things uh, when, you're, when you're thinking about um, actual payroll, right? Your, your highest paid player, obviously, now is Deshaun Watson. That bill has come due because you are paying an elite quarterback. For the last 25 years, the Cleveland Browns have not had to pay that kind of money for a quarterback because, well, quite frankly, they haven't had that type of a quarterback. Well, now they have one. The franchise quarterback is set in Deshaun Watson. You know, so they're, they're paying the really, really good money there, $46 million. Denzel Ward, he comes out to around $21 million. Amari Cooper, $20 million. And then Miles Garrett is at $19 million. Uh, so those are your top paid players on your active roster. And when you look at the positions, right? Quarterback, cornerback, number one wide receiver, and defensive end. Like, that's roster construction 101, Andy, when you look at how the money gets spent. Then you get into your... Uh, offensive linemen and, and spending some money there, right? Joel Batonio's making over $10 million. 
Wyatt Teller's making over $10 million. Jack Conklin, whom they restructured in the final year of his deal. Of course, he's coming off the injury. He's making around $7, $8 million after that restructure. So when you look at how Andrew Berry is spending his money, what helps him is these running backs don't cost him a lot of money. You know, Nick Chubb doesn't cost a a lot of money. Uh, Very team-friendly contract extension that he uh, signed, right? To Ernest Johnson is... A little under $2.5 million is a restricted free agent tender. Uh, and then, obviously, the rookies that you know, and the younger guys that follow, they're, they're basically making pennies on the dollars. So the, the running back position isn't costing them a lot of money, even though they have a logjam of talent at that spot. And that's where you just you tip your hat to the genius that is Andrew Barry because he has been able to spend money, cash, where he at the at the key positions when you talk about the foundation of your roster, which again is your quarterback, your offensive line, your number one receiver, your franchise defensive end, and your number one cornerback. That is roster construction 101 when you're talking about cash and cap spend. And that's what Andrew Berry has done. And then you fill the pieces in around that. So um I still think, though, with Kareem, his the hope would be if you if you were to trade him, uh, that you get a number two, uh, a second round pick, maybe a third round pick. But I just I don't think a first round pick is in the cards there. I think that's I think teams learned from the Trent Richardson trade. <laughs> if you get where right. I'm going there, right? I mean, the Browns fleece the Colts of that first round pick. It's a shame that they didn't do anything with it of substance, but right. I, I just, I don't think Kareem's going to get you a first round pick. I, I would play it. And I'll, since we're not saying his name anymore, I'll say I would play it almost similar to the, um, to the maker Bayfield situation there. Does it get me out of a fine if I say it that way um, with the, the fact that if you're waiting for another injury for camp, right. I say you hang out. Like I don't want them to get rid of Kareem hunt in any way, shape or form. Oh like, no. Ne- I want them to go I. into the season. With Chubb and Hunt, and then figure out Dearness Johnson, and then move Jerome Ford in there, and you've got Felton on the roster. But my point about Hunt is, someone's going to lose their number one running back at some point, early in the season or during training camp, and right. that's when his value will go up. The same as Maker Bayfield. So yep. is that better if I say that? Okay, I just want to make sure. Um, so <laughs> no, sorry, and, and that's, that's three. why I just think you. That's need, three right there. We got it. <laughs> we got to cut it off. No, Merritt. No, no, I didn't say his name. I've only said his name once. I'm talking about the mythical maker Bayfield. Oh so my let's gosh. not get uh, okay, fine. Let's not get carried away with it. I'm just teasing. All right, so Andy wants to be again, home. If you look at uh, Maker Bayfield. <laughs> I might need new insurance. That's my problem. So <laughs> you you look at the two of them and I, I just think it's a matter of time and patience. And that is one thing that I think Andrew Barry showed us that he is patient and that he's he he's willing to keep the outside noise out and worry about what's best for the team rather than sitting here and, and living in the moment and wondering, well, our fans are going to go crazy if you get rid of the hometown kid who's a running back who, you know, was a little bit hurt last year. And by the way, he can run and he is a professional running back. There's no doubt about it. What else does this team need, Daryl? And I still, I still want a veteran wide receiver. You know, you look at what they did with the draft. Where are they at this point on, on the roster and what needs to be tweaked? Like if you were looking at Daryl Ryder's 53, how many spots do you think are conceivably up for grabs when they go into camp? 
I'm not crazy about the defensive right now. I have a lot of questions outside of players named Miles Garrett. Uh, if the season were to start today, your defensive tackles are probably Jordan Elliott, and I'm going to slide him in there just because he's a ball of energy and uh, remains to be seen who's going to get the other job. I'm going to say Perry and Winfrey is a starter next to Jordan Elliott. And then at right defensive end, uh, Chase Vinovich is in there right now. Does he hold on to that job? I would like him to bring back Jadavian Clowney on a one-year contract. I don't know that Jadavian's in a number in a hurry to sign yeah, or Darryl, B, why is, if you want why to come is, back. Why is he different than Jarvis Landry? Why is J Jadavian Clowney different than Jarvis Landry? Because we, we seem to lump them together as far as right. bringing back these two free agents. Well, the the money is the, the money is sort of similar because I think Jadavian will cost around twelve. I, I'm just guessing that he would be looking for something around twelve million uh, per year. And the reason he's different is because uh, the Browns have a need there; they they have a hole. Whereas at receiver, Amari's your number one. They think very highly of the two young kids they recently drafted in Anthony Schwartz and Donovan Peoples-Jones. So now you're to the fourth you're you're down to the fourth man at that position, right? And maybe that right. a fourth guy at receiver ends up being David Bell, which I I I think David Bell ultimately is going to work his way into the number 2 role, but David Bell, now you're four deep at the position. Uh, then you got Michael Woods, the second whom you drafted in the seventh round. He's there. And then let's not forget the returner, the Pro Bowl returner that they signed as an unrestricted free agent from Chicago, Jakeem Grant. So now there, bang, there's your six wide receivers. And then Demetric Felton, your Swiss Army knife, he's your seventh. So you're pretty well set at that position. Um, whereas, again, you look at this defensive line, I just... I have a lot of questions at, at, there, and especially defensive end. I thought that Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney played beautifully off each other last year. So that's why the Jarvis Landry situation and the and the Jadavian Clowney situation, not only when you're talking about money, Andy, but you're talking about roster construction, that's why they're so different because you legit already are six deep at your receiver position. And there's questions if you're even one deep at defensive end opposite Miles Garrett. I I, I like Jadavian Clowney. I hope he comes back for all the same reasons you do. And I kind of like the fact that he doesn't BS very often. You don't when he's in a press conference, he tells you exactly what he's thinking. He does not dancing around like he did at the end, like his his press conference at the end of the year with just saying, "Hey, look, it's it's about the money." Like, oh my God, how refreshing is it to actually hear a player say what the truth is? I think he as a veteran. Uh, and knowing that he's had health issues in the past, that him not wanting to have to go to some of these mini camps or do some of the mandatory things in the off season's okay when you know what the productivity you're going to get is on Sunday out of him. So uh, I would love for him to come back. I hope he comes back, and I hope that's the situation that we have. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. A couple of things that we still want to get to, a lot of stuff. Um, expansion. Uh, is being talked about again. So that was a story that's uh, that's rising to the top right now. Oversaturation, though, maybe one of the things that the NFL needs to uh, look out. And then streaming and gambling, uh, all kinds of stuff. If you like what you're listening to, remember to subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. 
Remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. It's always game day in Cleveland. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's always game day in Cleveland. We remind you, if you like what you're hearing, remember to subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. But more importantly than that, give us a review. Rate it. Hey, we want your feedback on this thing. We're all in it together. And if you want to be a part of the show, why don't you just tweet at us, at Game Day Cleveland, at Game Day Cleveland. So all those things are available to you. Daryl always likes answering your questions. I like answering questions. We love talking about it. Look, I mean, it's spring, and we're talking about a team that isn't really going to hit the field until August. So let's enjoy it and let's have some fun. Um, Daryl, there are a couple stories that have come out, at one in particular about the mayor of Dallas saying that he wants a second team, and I think that feeds right into this conversation we've been having for like the last two weeks, you and I, about the oversaturation of the game, the too much uh, trying to f- have give you NFL football every day of the week and how that could backfire on the team. And then you brought up something about gambling a little bit later. Let's start with Dallas. What would Jerry Jones do if there was a second team in Dallas? Because, you know, the mayor is talking about how they're going to surpass Chicago as the third biggest city in the United States. Um, since this is a family friendly podcast, I'll just say that, uh, Jerry Jones would probably lose his collective. You know what? <laughs> he's got it. He's got a, so what you're saying, you're, he's got a stranglehold he on his that pants over this one. Oh yeah. They, oh, he might lose str- his pants over this one. He does. Jerry Jones is not going to want to share his market with another football team. That just isn't going to happen. He, first of all, he's too powerful of an NFL owner. Number one, number two, uh, He's turned. He's turned the Cowboys into, I believe, the NFL's most valuable franchise financially. They're worth a couple of billion dollars. I haven't checked the Forbes rankings lately, but they're always in the top three as far as most valuable franchises. So, yeah, Jerry Jones is not a guy that strikes me as someone who's more than willing to share his wealth in the name of the good of the NFL. The only reason he wanted two teams in Los Angeles with. Uh, the Rams and the Chargers was because uh, Los Angeles was going to bring the NFL more money. Not that Los Angeles really cares about either one of those franchises, maybe the Rams more so than the Chargers because they historically have had more success. Uh, number one, number two, they, they're coming off a Super Bowl. But, I mean, let, let's remember, the Chargers couldn't even fill a soccer stadium out there. And when they did fill it, it was, it, they, they were basically playing a road game. Uh, because the the visiting uh, team's fans would come in and and take the the joint over. All right, so um, yeah, Jerry Jones is not going to share the wealth in Dallas. That just is not going to happen. Um, it it would be it's easy for the NFL you... to expand, but they run into a couple of problems. Mm-hmm. Number one, 
realignment. They would have to realign again. And I just, I don't know how they would go about doing that. I think if the league does expand, it's going to be overseas. It's going to be in Europe. Germany, England, uh, you know, those are the two countries that immediately come to mind. Because I, I really think that these overseas games are trial balloons. I honestly thought for a while that the Jacksonville Jaguars would move to London. I still think that there's a chance that could happen. But at some point down the road, not immediately. But I could see the NFL creating a Europe division where they put four teams overseas and that becomes a Europe division. And, it, you know, teams have, fly over. It's kind of like baseball or basketball when you do the, the West Coast trip. Well, now you do the European trip, right? I, I could see something yep. like that happening down the road. But again, you got the, the, the travel is really, really difficult to Europe. So you couldn't, uh, what do you do if you're a West Coast team, right? You're the NFC West or the AFC West and going to Europe, that's really super taxing. So even while conceptually it sounds great to do a four-team division in Europe, logistically, can you make it work? So um, ultimately, they're eventually going to go to a, 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 an 18th game. That's going to happen at some point here. Um, maybe that makes way for that European foreign division. Maybe they even put a team in Mexico at, at some point. But that's kind of what they're doing with this overseas, with all these uh, international games that they're doing. Is I think they're all trial balloons, and the league is seeing you know, what type of revenue could be there. They did a thing recently where teams have uh, territorial rights overseas. They, they basically carved up the world and gave teams specific huh. territorial rights, which I thought was – you know, really super interesting. And the teams had to pay for that, by the way. They, they had to <laughs> – it became another revenue stream for the NFL. Teams had to buy territorial rights overseas. But, yeah, I I just – I but Are you saying – but, Daryl, hey, Dar that's a little confusing. Are you saying that current NFL teams are buying territorial rights in Europe? Or is yeah. it that there are people in Europe that are trying to buy the territorial rights? No, the, the teams bought the territorial rights to Europe through the league. Uh, and that, and that huh. was uh, you know, for marketing purposes in that. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> that happened. That really did happen. So, yeah, I just wow. – I don't know that – I didn't I know just, I don't think – I just – I don't feel like expansion in the States is very feasible. Uh, I think at 32 teams, they're maxed out. Yeah, but I could see Jacksonville moving within the United – like, it, you may not say Dallas, but San Antonio might be able to handle a team. Uh Maybe Portland. You know, there are other cities. You know, when we talk about the baseball expansion, it's almost the same, although I think it's more lucrative in baseball because you have more home dates and more opportunities to to fill the seats if you're going to do it that way. Um, but I, I also see a path to having that NFL Europe division exist when you start talking about some of the things you're talking about changing game times, like a 2 o'clock game on Friday. That was in pro football talk. I was like – yeah. I, I'm just I'm concerned because I still think that their bread and butter is having multiple games on Sunday, and not just four. I mean, you could be looking at a Europe game in the morning, which I, I I'm not a big fan of those games, those 9 a.m. games here. Actually, I am. I, I, I love football for breakfast. You do okay. I'm just, I love it. I'm not a fan of it, but I do know that when I lived in Montana and I was two time zones away from the Browns, I mean, the games were at 11 o'clock for me. And I was, you know, I, you got into it and you just got used to it after a while. And I guess maybe that's what it would take. But if you did go to that NFL Europe, you'd probably go to your 18 games. You'd probably go to two buys. And you could be looking at games on, you know, definitely two games on Monday night. 
Yeah, I mean, that's just the start. I think you could be looking at Tuesday night football. You could be looking at Wednesday night football. I still think that, you know, Saturday football is okay where they are right now and not trying to push it uh, with antitrust laws and, and playing on Saturday uh, against college football. I think they need to kind of stay away from that. Yeah, and I, and I think they will. I, I, I'm a big know-your-role type of guy, and I think the NFL needs to know their role. The, Sunday, Sunday night, Monday and Thursday night, Saturday when the college football season is over. Like, that's the NFL sweet spot. You know, people are working Monday through Friday. So who's going to be able to sit and watch an NFL game Friday afternoon at 2 o'clock? Right? I mean, think about that. So I just – I don't know that that's a very smart thing for the league to do. But as streaming becomes more and more prevalent and part of the league's business model, you know, where does NFL Network ultimately end up? Does Apple buy it? Does Amazon end up buying it? Because I really seriously think that that's where that network is ultimately going to end up as far as their new umbrella goes once the league spins it off. Um, but yeah, I think the league needs to be very, very careful not to oversaturate their product. Cause let's be honest about it. Quality of Thursday night games, not that great. Um, and unless there's, is this bad know, though? I mean, is that it, it, ultimately they want what, and I, I don't know if people even realize this, what big 10 basketball has. Okay. Right. Big 10 basketball. Every game is on national television because of their own network. Right. And I, that's ultimately what I have to believe the NFL Well, they already wants. have that, though. Every game, to, to have its own window, though, every game to have its own individual window yeah, for I, national exposure. They don't have that yet. As long as you're going to play more than one game at 1 o'clock on Sunday, you don't have that. Could every game be a nationally televised game into its – Let's be honest about it. Let's go back to 2016-17. Do you really want those Browns teams having their own prioritized national window? No. Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> Do you want to see the Jacksonville no, Jaguars you... on national TV right now? No. Nobody wants to watch that. And that's why when you look at the outside the normal Sunday windows, right? Outside the Sunday at, let me rephrase. Outside the Sunday at 1 p.m. window, right? Uh, CBS and Fox uh, have the prime 4 p.m. window, right? That's considered a prime window. Right. Then you have Sunday night football, which has become the jewel of the league, right? That's like the game of the week. The best matchup of right. the week is Sunday night football. Monday, that used to be what Monday night football was, and now it's like Monday night football gets the leftovers, which I do think is going to change now because of the new TV deals. I'm expecting better Monday night football matchups because of, uh, again, the money that's involved in what ESPN slash Disney has forked over in their their new media deal. And then Thursday night football became like a throwaway. It was, a to your point, about giving each team their own prime window. Well, that was the, the impetus behind them uh, coming up with the Thursday night game. It was, well, we want to give some of our lesser uh, exposed teams, right? The Browns always would get Thursday night football games, but they would be only on right. NFL Network. Like, they wouldn't put the Browns on the simulcast with uh, it was, it was CBS before, Fox but now CBS, it, and then it was Fox. Now it's just Amazon Prime. Um, and, I, and, and so I just 
I, I think that the NFL has to be very, very careful with over saturating this product from a talent perspective and expansion and then also just being on all the time sometimes people need a little bit of a break that's just that's just my take on it well the only other the the one thing i'll say about having teams that are like you know 0 and 15 and and teams that you think people don't want to see it's a matter of marketing and i and i just say this just from oh yeah people want to watch a train wreck there's no question well, it's not the train wreck they want to watch. What you want to do is you want to highlight the other side. So let's just say Kansas City's really good and the Browns aren't. I'm just throwing that out there. Right. That the marketing all becomes about Patrick Mahomes. When when I was traveling with the Cavaliers, we would roll into the cities all the time where we knew their team wasn't playing real well. And what would the billboard be? It wouldn't be one of their players. It would be come see LeBron. Right. And so what you do is you market the other side of it. And that's how you get away from trying to highlight the fact that you might have a team that's struggling but then you call them emerging or you try to figure out, ooh, or look at their hot player. It, it becomes to, it becomes a marketing problem and not really a, what you're seeing on the field problem as far as trying to drive ratings. So, But yeah, I, I, mean, I do think you're right. It, it, it's something they have to look out for. Yeah, the NFL basically prints money. Everything that they do works and is profitable for them. It's pretty incredible, but I liken it to a rubber band, right? You pull it and pull it and pull it, and it keeps stretching, 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 until at one point the thing is going to snap. We haven't gotten there with the NFL just yet. You can see There's still some pliability there. You can still stretch the thing, but at some point, it's going to snap, and I think that they need to be very, very careful. And they, they really are. I mean, uh, the streaming that's, uh, you know, them embracing Amazon and Apple and all these streaming services. Red Zone, I think there's a chance, could end up on a streaming service here. Uh, because And the only reason they're embracing it, Andy, is because it's another revenue stream for them. It's It's non-traditional. It's outside of the ESPN, NBC, CBS, Fox revenue streams that they had been accustomed to from a media standpoint nationally. Now, all of a sudden, you've got Amazon uh, Prime, who, again, like them, also just prints money these days. Uh, Apple, same thing, just prints money these days. And so they, they, they look at those market shares, and it's to your point earlier when you were asking about Jerry Jones and another team in Dallas. It's all about market share. Jerry Jones wants 100% of that market share in Dallas. Well, the league wants to expand their market share, and they want to dip their hand in new, in basically new money here in the streaming services. What I'm interested to see, not so much the audience size on the streaming on the on the platforms. I'm interested. It, can technology keep up because there's a delay like even watching on satellite you're a couple of seconds behind the action and yeah. with with sports betting being so prevalent now and legal around the country can the league afford to have its product on streaming platforms where there's latency and you might be a full minute behind the action because the you know the transmission's taking longer, and and how does that affect the live betting aspect of things? So there there's a lot to the league has to consider there. But uh, you know they're going to make extra money with this Amazon deal uh, and on Prime. They're already uh, announcing games. I think it's Chiefs and Chargers is the first Thursday night football on Prime in week two. Um, they did simulcasting on Prime last year, which I did watch. 
amazing. And let me tell you, the NFL in 4K is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Mm. It, it's incredible. It is a sight to behold. You can see blades of grass. That's how crystal clear 4K is. You can see, wow. you can see blades of grass. It's, it's amazing. Like, I saw an NBA game in 4K. I could tell you the species of wood they used for the floor. That's how clear it is. Wow. So uh, it, it is going to be interesting, though. I think latency is going to be a major factor because they want to drive that instantaneous in-your-seat sports betting type of thing. Are they going to pick up the first down, or is it a pass or a run, or all those other betting options there? I don't know that you're going to be able to do that if latency is a problem uh, with streaming. Uh, but uh, again, as we know, technology moves at the speed of light, and you know maybe they can kind of s- shorten that that latency like they've been able to do with uh, satellite feeds. Daryl, next time we talk, we get to play the schedule game. Very excited about oh, that. I know you're not going to lose sleep. It's my favorite time of year. You are going to lose sleep. And we get to play the schedule game, and so can you if you want to play along with us. Uh, let us know what you think at Game Day Cleveland, at Game Day C-L-E. Actually, what it is, not Cleveland, but C-L-E, Game Day C-L-E. If you want to hit us up on Twitter, make sure you rate and review us. Uh, if you like listening to us, well, you know what to do. All you have to do is subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. And remember to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. For Meredith Kane, our producer, Daryl Ryder, our outstanding Browns beat reporter for 92.3 The Fan, I'm Andy Baskin. Thanks for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cleveland.